There's a change happening in the way we live, the way we work, the way we spend our money and make our decisions. We are evolving to be more conscious in our actions in a way that serves the world and makes it a better place. Welcome to the Ethical Evolution. The Ethical Evolution podcast is brought to you by Ethical Change Agency. I'm Bindi, I'm the founder, and my mission is to help ethical entrepreneurs and holistic healers to find their voice through spiritual coaching and podcasting. I'm honoured to bring you the stories of those who create change through healing, kindness, innovation, purpose, and spirit. Understanding that to create collective change, we need to be the change. It all begins with us. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Tiffany Cook has learned this as a businesswoman, performance coach and boxer from the comfort, predictability and safety provided by the corporate world to the lessons and letdowns in and out of the boxing ring. Coming to the realisation that in order to have one's hand raised in triumph, adversity, discomfort and combat must be navigated. In the face of the messiness of life, do we fight or do we flee? Meeting Tiff was like meeting a long-lost sister, and we could have talked all day. She has a way of bringing out my sense of humour and connecting on the things that matter. Welcome, Tiff, to The Ethical Evolution. Very happy to be here. How are you, Bindi? I am so, so well to be with you tonight. Uh, And I really love speaking to an Aussie, can I just say. I have so many people from around the world on this podcast and I feel at home when I'm talking to an Aussie. I don't need to edit myself. I can be as Aussie and ochre as I want and I love that. And uh, Tiff, we've had a great chat offline, can I just say, and we could – all day, I reckon. Uh, you're in Melbourne. I'm in Brisbane. We're, what, not quite three hours flight away from each other. Um, and I am super pumped to have you here tonight. You have your own podcast, Roll With Punches. Yeah. Um, I feel like we're sisters already. <laughs> I'm already planning that three-hour flight. <laughs> it didn't take long, did it? <laughs> it didn't at all. <laughs> now, Tiff, for the people who don't know who you are and what you do, Please tell us. All right. So my background is, or my most recent background prior to sitting behind the mic yabbering on, <laughs> was in fitness. And mm. so I spent I spent probably prior to that, uh, I was in print for the most part, and then I stepped into the boxing ring for a corporate boxing challenge. I just wanted to show off Bindi. I just wanted <laughs> to be like, I was, I was always a kid that wanted to do what girls don't do. Mm. And I just wanted to do things that made me different. And so I, I raised my hand to do this boxing challenge one day, which was a hell of an experience. And essentially that led me into waving goodbye to the old office chair and saying hello to the boxing ring and becoming a fitness boxing and fitness coach. And the rest is history. Oh, Punching my faces God. became my love. Tiff, seriously. I mean, who wants to get beaten about the bush? Seriously. <laughs> Who? <laughs> Who wants to do that? Oh. I mean, and you know, like, um, you know, some of your, if we look at some of your comps, you talk about being punched in the nose. I have experienced that, can I just say. Um, 
I thought I would, you know, get fit and all that shit. And uh, uh, one of my exes was a six foot four Muay Thai champion. Uh, decided oh. to get in the ring and uh, knocked me flat in my face. Well, oh. uh, you know what happens when you get punched in the nose, don't you, Tiff? Yeah. Hey? Like all the nerves in your face just fire up and you just want to smack someone. <laughs> That's what happened to me. How'd you go? How'd you I go was swinging that? like there was no tomorrow, you know. But I had no chance because he was twice the size of me. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, everybody was, a whole nother kettle of fish Everybody too, was just laughing, you know. Arms and legs flailing around. I don't know about that. Um, just give me the hands. That's all I just want to deal with, just the hands. Yeah, like the kicking and that is just not cool. You know, like, you know, keep, keep it above the waist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's such an awesome sport though. Mm. But, I mean, you know, like getting punched in the face, all right, like let's just deconstruct that for a second um, because we were, we were talking about our podcast journey and how it has changed our life. Mm. Um, the very first podcast that I put to air is called uh, The State of You, uh, which the first episode is all about my story. Mm. And I think probably where my biggest awakening came from was that first episode where I tell my story. And in that story, I'm telling a very graphical story where I even sing Janet Jackson. Tune in. You can check it out. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I'm all, back in the day uh, when I was 20, I think, 19, 20, very old now, um, <laughs> I was on a mini tramp. You know, I used to do the mini tramp every day. You know, I was like doing all the fitness stuff. Anyway, this one day I was doing my Janet Jackson on the fitness tramp thing and uh, my ankle fractured while I was uh, jumping away. Snap. And I was like, oh, yeah, um, that hurts a bit. And uh, I was like, yeah, no, no, no biggie. Um, anyway, <laughs> turns out on my night, oh, I think it was my mum's birthday, <laughs> I had to go into plaster from my toe to my knee in fibreglass and uh, <laughs> I just got a new job and everybody had to drive me everywhere because, you know, it was manual cars and everything <laughs> and <laughs> it was super embarrassing. Anyway, all like this episode I'm going through all the things that had happened right from Janet Jackson to the um, fracture <laughs> and I was like, why the hell am I telling people about all the things that have gone wrong with me? And I sat there in that minute and I was like, there's a lesson to learn here. And I was like, you know, without the fall, you can't learn about getting back up again. Yes. And I joked at the time and I've spoken to many people around the world about this and they have some excellent jokes about it, um, is that it's like a Chumbawamba song. You know, you can't get down without getting back up again. It's like a trampoline, right? So um, when you fall down, there is an up. And everything in life, you know, there's the ups and the downs. But having a bad day doesn't mean you've had a bad life. You know, falling down means you can get back up again. Without one, you don't have the other. This contrast in life is all the experience we have as a human. And that's the lesson that I got out of that first episode. I can't believe you used the trampoline. That is one thing that I say all the time. Hey. I knew we were sisters. 
But it is so true. It's like we all, everybody wants everybody else's high. And I'm like, make the assumption that as high as their peak is, mm. there is the equal and opposite low to have gotten there. So if you want their highs, you better want their lows too because you can't mm. have one without the other. And I look at that in my own life and I look at that in when times get tough and I'm like, this is, you can't have, if you don't want things to feel this bad at times, then you can't have the times that feel that amazing. You know, it's it's the light in the dark. It's, you know, the high and the low. Mm. Without one, you can't have the other. Um, and it's something that I talk about a lot, you know, in healing and recovery and all these kind of things that we go through in life. Um, it's all part of the experience. None of it's bad. And we, we have this association that, you know, if I'm hurt, it's bad. Or if I'm sad, it's bad. You know, like, no, it's all part of being normal, normal, I'm using air quotes, as a human, right? <laughs> yes, yes. And that you learn so much. You learn so much out of those really shitty times. Mm. Now, Tiff, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you're fit, right? You're fit. Um, <laughs> you've been punched a bit. I'm using all the rhymes today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in a studio, yeah. Um, so... Tell me what hurts the most. Oh, losing. No, not losing. (laughs) (laughs) No, what hurts the most is, do you know what? If you're talking physical pain in the boxing ring, Mm. um, I feel like for for a very large part of my journey, I didn't, I didn't feel the pain. There was a, there was a disconnect and what I now relate that to a level of dissociation in the boxing ring. And so I had I had these two periods of times when I fought and a gap in between and that was due to so I'd fought in 2000 and from 2013 to about 2015 and then I had a 3 year break. I'd torn my labrum in my shoulder and I'd started PTing and being a boxing coach myself and starting my own business. So those two things combined kept me out of competition for 3 years. Mm. By two years into competing, so, yeah, those first two years after that first corporate fight where I just thought I was going to show off for one thing (laughs) and then move on to the next shiny object like I did, but for some reason just kept getting pulled back into this experience in the boxing ring that I thought was weird because I never really stuck at anything. I was like, why am I going back to this thing that I don't feel very good at? Um, And I – so what that (laughs) – what that opened up was a world of self-discovery. So within a couple of years, I started, it started coming up with some childhood trauma that I'd suppressed and I was like, well, that's interesting that this is just running around in my mind all of a sudden, like why is this, what's going on? Um, and then I started questioning all of my positive traits that I'd carried around with me for 29 years, you know, this independent, strong, willful can-do attitude, little beast of a human. You know, I was from Tassie. I'd moved to Melbourne. I was doing the – you know, I was just – and I was so so certain of so many things. But at that time I was like, hang on, are these – is this – why do people ask me if I'm not scared about punching the face? And if I'm not scared about a punch in the face, what scares me? Mm. And I was like, oh, dear, connection, vulnerability. Like a lot of stuff mm. scares me and – and all those things that I was viewing as strengths were actually just 
really strong protective coping mechanisms and I was, you know, terrified of other things. So I started to unpack that and I went and got myself a therapist. Well, I got myself a few before I really settled in to realise that I had to As do you the work, do. not them. As you that do. That I had to figure out the yeah. answers, not, um, not just sit in their chair and go, okay, <clears throat> all right, wave mm. your wand. <laughs> mm. Here I am, fix my issues. But um, <laughs> it, within that three-year period, I remember thinking, okay, well, the things that have made me, the, the things that are really strong traits in the boxing ring for me are levers that I now have to pull outside the ring. And if you are, how you do one thing is how you do everything. Mm. So you can't disassociate from pain and the present moment in the boxing ring, but then go and connect your emotions outside the boxing ring without that crossing over. Mm. So I was like, do I want to do that and meddle with that really cool trait in the boxing ring? That's kind of, you know, important. And so I had these three years off and then in 2019 I went back to my old coach and I said, let's go, let's, you know, oh, well, at first I said I'll just come down once a week and train because I miss it. And then by the end of that session I said, so I might come every day. <laughs> and I said I can't, but I can't compete because I'm about to open two gyms and yeah. I'm very busy. And they were opening in, th- in, in a few weeks, I don't know. And he said, I'll get, I'll get in the next day and he's like, you're fighting in three weeks. <laughs> I was what? Like, She's quite for real. That's what it's like. She's quite for real. But I remember the first session back and I remember the nerves thinking, who am I going to be now in the boxing mm. ring? Like what's going to happen? And I remember sparring for the first time. And I had sparred for years mm. and I hadn't even really been training much. And so everyone was doing round robin with John, who's a pro fighter, and so I jumped, I got thrown in there and he hit me with an uppercut straight away in the nose mm. that I swear I was like, that's broken my nose. And he got me with three more of those in this, oh. in this three-minute round. And I just remember feeling like I was naked in the boxing ring and everyone was doing I felt completely exposed and I felt emotions and I felt like they were being seen and I'd never felt so vulnerable. And it was like, oh, yeah, we've pulled that lever. <laughs> Isn't that exciting though? Like like if we just deconstruct that for a second, um, you know, you are experiencing and, and I've had the same thing um, where you're in that what you think is a strength moment, <laughs> you know, of protection um, yeah. because that's the whole point of boxing, right? You're protecting yourself. Yeah. You know, keep, keep, keep your fists up, right? Um. And then when you get punched in the nose, it's like you mother, you're like like Adam and you're opening up that vulnerability and all of, you know, you've cracked open Mm. that light that needs to get out. And when you do that, that, that's, you know, when that vulnerability leaks out, (laughs) there's no stopping it. No. And particularly as a woman, I found that, you know, (laughs) <laughs> just it, it just floods out. There's no stopping it. And I, and I know it's probably different for men because, you know, they're very trained they're, they're, and their testosterone really puts those walls up for them. But for women, like we have these emotions and these this vulnerability. It's mm. very hard for us to protect sometimes. Mm. Do you agree? Yeah. And I think with it, 
the other thing I noticed was what came along with what I interpreted as a new level of self-love slash self-care and that was the unwillingness to just walk in and get hit both consciously and unconsciously. Mm. So I had a lot more of a challenge to overcome with not fully committing to getting inside and and wearing punches to get in there. There was part of me that – and also just the level of training in – Heavy training, heavy – we did a lot. We did a lot of heavy sparring all the time and and that was – I mean, that, that was why I chose that coach. I loved that intensity. But then I was like sometimes I was like actually, I, nah, <laughs> I don't need to – like I've got a split in my eye. I don't need to go in and do another round and get my face torn apart. Mm. Like I can – like wait, that's not necessary. <laughs> Like there's this new, yeah, this this new level of what am I in here to do, prove or achieve and what does it mean in the grand scheme of life and what's going to happen to me in the middle of this moment? Mm. Like what's the outcome later? Yeah, and that that is so interesting and, you know, I know you've talked about therapy and, you know, different therapists uh, that you've used. I mean, getting punched in the face is uh, kind of a therapy of its own, can I just say. <laughs> um, it, it unleashes the beast. Exposure therapy. <laughs> 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 uh, but, you know, if if we look at therapy and we look at getting punched in the face in comparison, which would you prefer? Oh, no, both different and... I'm pro both. Mm. What I love about the punch in the face, what I love about the boxing ring and what I what I miss the intensity of is you that was the first place I saw who I was beyond that bullshit I'd carried around because I believed that because that's believable and we all do that. I had answers for everything, but when you're when you've got a fist coming at your face unapologetically if you're scared, your body, re- your brain reacts before you react before mm. you get a chance to put a story on it. Mm. Oh yeah, I would have done this. Well, you didn't. Mm. Oh yeah, I would have hit him back. No, well, you you coward. Well, you closed your eyes. Well, you walked backwards. You know, like you see who you are. You see how you respond, and I love that. Mm. I learned so much about me when I get in that situation. Mm. And I can just see from you that you're absolutely fascinated by how the human body reacts to being punched, for <laughs> one. Uh, you know, like uh, it's like, well, I'm, I'm trying to protect myself here, uh, yeah. but um, I can't control that, you know, like it's a flight of flight, flight of fright response, uh, if I can get my words right. Um <laughs> You know, and so that happens in everyday situations. You don't have to be in a boxing ring. You can be at home. You can be with the kids. You can be at work. Yes. And that can be right in your face. Yeah, yeah. And so dealing with that in a physical sense is such an awesome hack or shortcut to getting exposure to anything you can deal with in life. Like I'm I'm so pro getting uncomfortable, getting terrified getting to the edge of like beyond where you're comfortable like before my first fight I remember 
the anxiety hit me that night before mm. and I didn't sleep and it was 4am and I, and I was texting my chiropractor who I was going to go for a slight adjustment next morning because <laughs> fucking who does that? <laughs> Sorry if I shouldn't. No, no, no. Keep going, keep going, keep going. <laughs> but um, I texted him and I was like, well, cancel that appointment because it's four o'clock and I haven't been to sleep yet and I had to leave the next morning to pick my mum up from the airport. So I had to get up at seven. I think I went to sleep at six. So I'd had one hour sleep and I was fighting the next day and I was an anxious mess. I remember my mum come over from Tassie to hang out for the day and I sat over lunch and stared at the wall and I couldn't put two words together and I was just a delight to be around. (laughs) But I was like, I, I said to her, and I meant it with every cell of my body, I said, I will never do anything like this ever again because nothing could be worth how I feel right now. I'd never felt like that. Mm. I was like, there's nothing worth this. And then get there on the night and my my best mate, she's the first fight and she wins and I'm like, yes, all right, we're on the winning team. <laughs> but then they hand her a microphone oh. in front of a thousand people and there's TV cameras and that there so it's <sighs> a big event. And I was like, no, because I wasn't a chatterbox back then. So I was sitting there thinking, I don't want to lose, but I certainly don't want to win because I certainly don't want to be standing in that ring with a thousand people looking at me, holding a microphone and a camera in my face. Um, And then next minute someone taps on my shoulder and they're like, hey, your your opponent's warming up. And I'm like, oh, ha, ha. And they're like, no, I'm serious, they are. And then they're like, it's game on. There's gloves getting shoved on my hands and mouth got in my mouth and like – the feeling after that, the feeling after the fight, you do it anyway and then it's over and the feeling on the other side of that awful anxiety or the, the uncertainty was something I've never, I was just like, like well, for a start, because you can imagine you couldn't get the microphone off me. They were like <laughs> crying that bad boy out of my hands like somebody shut her up. <laughs> Like, okay, Chip, thank you, that's enough. (laughs) (laughs) But I was like, sign me up to the next one. I'm doing this again. Like, it is like nothing I'd ever experienced. And so many, so many lessons came from that. Like, that changed me, undoubtedly. Mm. And, oh, my God, I I swear to God, I could come up with a million questions for you um, and just talk to you all day. But one of the things that just came through for me as I was talking to you was, you know, like we've had um, COVID, as you know, and you've opened gyms. I hadn't noticed. No, you hadn't noticed? (laughs) Mm. You said you opened gyms just as, you know, that was all taken off and they were all shut down. Like that must have been a real kick in the guts, like to go, well, you know, I'm going to do this for people. I want to make a change in the world. I'll make people fit, healthy, happy, and then shit, a bloody virus <laughs> has just wiped the whole fucking dream away. Yeah, you know what's funny? Uh, there was one really, really important thing that had happened prior to or as I started those gyms that helped me in that moment. But the funny thing is I just feel like when when I don't follow my path, mm. <laughs> And I resisted a little bit. Life comes along and throws that punch. That's your intuition. Yeah. Mm. Boom. It's like, hey, I told you. Mm. I've been nudging at you. Yeah. You're not listening. Hey, 
cop this. Yo, bitch, listen. A few- <laughs> yeah. So when I, when I chose to open, so I'd bought into businesses with business partners and in, in choosing to go ahead with that, I, asked my, I remember asking myself, sitting in my courtyard, thinking far out. For me, this is a little Tassie girl, been working my butt off, you know, trying to make, make ends meet in Melbourne and do the thing. And, and I thought, if this goes bad... Like everything I've worked, there's no one here to pick up my pieces. Mm. Like it's just me and I've worked, really worked my butt off for this and if it can go bad, which they they will because everyone says don't go into business with business mm. partners. <laughs> so, you know, likelihood is it will. Mm. Will I learn enough about business or will I change enough to be happy with losing everything I have today? Mm. And so a year or so two, what was it, two years or a year and a half later when COVID hit and I remember sitting in my courtyard again thinking, all right, well, you answered this question already. You're okay with this. This wasn't the scenario, but you've answered this question, so move on from that. So it was a really quick like, okay, there's no like, there's no umming and ahhing about the what ifs now. But I also remember saying from the start, I don't know what, I don't know if it's just some weird bloody traumatic obsession with fucking crisis <laughs> or what, maybe it is, I haven't worked that out yet, but I remember being so comfortable in the fact that I just knew that for me something really good was going to come out of this. Mm. It didn't mean it was going to be easy, it didn't mean it wasn't going to be the hardest period, one of the hardest periods of my life to that point, but I knew that on the other side of whatever there was, and I'd had no idea I was going to start a podcast. I had no idea what yeah. was going to evolve. But on the other side of COVID, my life is completely different and it's been a mix of the best and the hardest and I wouldn't change a thing. I completely agree. Um, as we just spoke about, you know, like yeah. um, I think one of the things I've tried to help people see is that COVID was, uh, you know, with all its... <clears throat> negative and awful effects, there's been so many blessings from it. Yeah. And, you know, for people like us, um, it's helped us find purpose um, yeah. and to take that pain and turn it into purpose. And I think if we can do that from something that's shut the entire world down to a mm. point where nothing's going on, uh, your business has stopped and you can find a new way to connect with people. And that, that is the key thing out of this is connection. Yes. You know, like if that's all we're seeking, that is the winning factor here. You know, yes. no matter how many punches you take to the face, <laughs> if you can find the purpose, that is it. Yeah. It's so true. And, it, and it, at a time when... But it's like the whole world is running from connection, mm. from real connection. And I don't know, a lot of my conversations and guests are, you know, I don't know, they're varied, but, but I'm, I'm fascinated by humanity and how our minds work and process and our minds and our bodies and our experience and our behaviour and our biases and how it all amalgamates. And, and it's like it, sometimes I sit on the outside of humanity looking at it going what the hell are we doing like 
we, you know, we're running faster and faster and faster in the wrong direction. Like we go, oh God, no, this is not working. Let's run faster in that same wrong direction. You are so right. You are so right. And, you know, like through all the conversations that I've had, um, that connection is what brings the world a little bit smaller, a little bit closer together. Mm. And, um, you know, we are doing some stupid things and we've stopped thinking for ourselves sometimes. Um, uh, but, you know, when we can really truly connect with that intuition that you've been talking about, yeah. that is where we create true, true change. Mm. Tell me about your spiritual healing. Oh, <laughs> have you got all night, Tiff? Like seriously? <laughs> yeah, I actually do. <laughs> and guys, you know she does. <laughs> Look, um, you know, as a spiritual coach, I'm here for people um, where they are um, and it's an open door. Um, a lot of people get confused that it's religion. It's not. It's about connecting with your soul yeah. um, and purpose. Purpose is why we're here mm. and helping people to find that joy in every day, every minute, every hour. Mm. And we only have so many of those. And, um, you know, I'm a big fan of, uh, oh, God, I can't remember his name now, Mark. He's an author. Uh, he um, wrote the book. Um, oh God, here's me losing my mind. <laughs> Is it Ma- Manson, not Mark Manson? Yes, yes, um, about giving a fuck, yeah. yes. <laughs> and, um, we only have so many give, so only have so many fucks to give, right? Um, and it's understanding that every minute, every hour, every day, we only have so many of those. And when we worry about the small stuff, that's when, you know, we lose sight of mm. those fucks we have to give. And so, you know, that is pretty much my philosophy. And I know it's very dirty and uh, rude <laughs> for most people. But Mark Manson, I love you. Thank you. How good is he? <laughs> he is so good. Um, but, you know, I've also come from a philosophy of people like uh, Tony Robbins, Wayne Dyer. I did actually meet the very great. Wayne Dyer, before he passed. Um, also people like Marianne Williamson, who I recently met. Um, so I think, um, you know, spirituality is for you what you make it. Um, it's about connecting to you, your soul, a greater purpose um, and finding your joy in life. Um, and if you can't find that, I'll help you connect with it. Mm, I love that. When did you when like when did you start to connect with spirituality as a thing? Oh, Look at me taking over the podcast. <laughs> I, I told you, I was you, more you, you can just take <laughs> over now, Tiff. Right, I'll hand over the reins. Uh, look, it was about uh, three years ago, uh, three nearly four years ago now. Um, I uh, went through a very transformational healing uh, experience, and I became a very different person to who I used to be. Um, I realised it was almost like a spiritual awakening of itself. Um, I discovered meditation. I discovered yoga. Uh, 
Yeah, I know that sounds really wanky, but I'm going to say it. Um, Mate, get a punch in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'll take yoga against boxing any day. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, you know, uh, you know, it was about finding um, myself. It was yeah. about finding what I wanted, who I was. And, you know, it impacted every area of my life from – who I was with me and my relationships, my work, everything in my business, you know, I realised and once I let all of – and so, you know, before you were talking about um, – and you will probably talk about this a lot and what you do is that, you know, a lot of people when they're in a fitness journey, they're in a very um, – they've built a wall around themselves mm. Mm. and if they can strip that wall away – and it, and we hold weight, right, to protect ourselves. Mm. And when we learn that we don't have to protect ourselves anymore, that's when that weight falls away. Yes. And that's what happened for me. And, you know, when I realised who I really was and connected with the whole human I was, uh, that is when I then realised, well, I don't need to be so hard on myself and I can love myself and support myself yes. as a whole human. Yeah. You you probably see that the physical transformation starts right here in the brain, right? 100%. Mm. 100%. Even when I was when I first started in fitness, I was I was in I was working in so predominantly out of a boxing gym but doing all like a whole range of training as well. And at one point I started online coaching. I did a course. I remember being in Thailand and I was like Oh, my goodness. So I land in Thailand for this holiday and I hadn't had a day off probably three <laughs> years since I'd started my own business. And I had this overwhelming sense of dread of what are you, you can't, you can't sustain that. What are you doing? What are, you can't live like that. And so I had, you know, I, while I was over there, I looked up and I was like, all right, I'm going to do a course and I'm going to figure out how to get some online coaching happening. So I did this ten, this like ten week course or something, and said you'll get ten grand a month, you know, with this launch. I'm like, yeah, all right, righto, <laughs> see. Um, and I launched that course, and I remember leaving on the plane and being just as nervous going home, terrified that I'd break my promise to myself, terrified that I'd just get back home and just start plodding away again, doing working every single day, and it'd be three years later, I'd sit burnt out in Thailand, wondering where the three years went. But um, I did this online course, and so I and I'd got my my good mates a nutritionist, so I got her to write up this food program, and you know I was like, you know, we're not counting calories, we're not counting macros. It's really I want to retrain your mind and your body, and you'll have an exercise program that I'll write you up based on whatever you want to do. But I really want to embed these philosophies every every week, and I really want you to build a new relationship with movement and food. And there were some people that just wanted because you know, what was hard was people were coming to Tiff Cook with a ripped six pack, mm. going, "Yes, I want whatever, I want that," and I'm, not what I was saying. They wanted what they were seeing, and I was like, "I that's just a result of all of this stuff that I've learned in sport and the relationship that I've now built with movement and nutrition as a result of sport and understanding that that's a whole." package whereas I think it's backwards when people want to chase the physical body 
and they'll they want to follow this you know these diets and things and it's yeah. just it's just painful i think sometimes to to see but on the other on the other side of that i think that sport can very much disguise addictions addictions oh, yes. addictions with food oh yes and we mm. cannot know while we're in the middle of the sport. You can mm. see people get injured or, or come out of a sport and go, oh, I thought I was a dedicated athlete. Actually, I've just got some really serious issues with food and body image. Mm. And and that is it, is getting to the core of who we are as a human, you know, like, mm. and that consciousness. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, like I've, in the last few years, <laughs> I'm not going to say I'm a, I'm, I'm a saint by any means, uh, but... Um, you know, I lost like 20 kilos in the last two years um, through metabolic balance. Um, so that was purely through diet, not through exercise. Um, it was about understanding my body, my genetics and what my body needed. Um, but I've also, ever since I was in high school, I've been someone who's gone to the gym and trained and I was into bodybuilding when I finished high school. So, you know, I have a lot of muscle. So a lot of people look at me and go, well, Jesus, you could beat the shit out of me. But I'm like, no, (laughs) that's not what I'm about. I just think it's okay for a woman to be strong. It's okay for a woman to have muscle and to have strength. Uh, because that is where your bone density comes from, is where you are, uh, you know, having uh, that, that weight and, and, you know, exercising with, you know, weights, free weights, whatever, mm. that we get that bone density because people think, oh, I've got to take calcium, I've got to take all these supplements, blah, blah, blah. Don't even get me started on the supplement train because, Jesus, <laughs> that is a millionaire nightmare. Yeah. Um, but... Um, there's so many things out there that are just trying to entice women, particularly in their late 30s, 40s, who are going into menopause and they're like, oh, well, you know, you need to lose that menopause belly, you know. You need to do all these things. You know? And Tiff, I'm going to be honest with you, I ain't got no six-pack. I ain't <laughs> no had no kids either. But, you know, like it is what it is and what it is is okay. And yeah. I think this is what the media – is really killing for women like us. It's like, well, you've got to be a six-pack, you've got to have a bikini body, you've got to have the V, like, you know, pelvis. If you don't have that, yeah, you're just, you're worthless. You know what I find laughable is everybody for a long time has agreed with the narrative that everybody's different. Mm. But also everybody selling a service will tell you that they their service will fix you. <laughs> well, how does that fit with the everybody's different if your philosophy works for me? So in 2020 I studied epigenetics mm. with a company that has a whole bunch of AI around artificial intelligence around doing the assessment and so I'm, I run the occasional programs and I'm about to run one starting this Thursday and today I was having the one-on-one consult with somebody about their epigenetic profile and explaining to them that out of the six lifestyle components that we look at, uh, food, movement, relationships, lifestyle, the way your mind works, so there's six lifestyle priorities, I said, for you, food and movement is actually number five and six. Mm. Um, Their living space, no, the way they think, their mind, the way their mind works and their mind environment 
and their relationships one and two. So it's like I said, I could give you the perfect program for you, for your body, physically, for you, and you could do the perfect training at the perfect time and eat the perfect foods at the perfect times, yet if your number one and two priorities are out of whack, your body's not going to – it's going to hold weight. It's not going to be happy. Mm. Which makes me laugh. Well, it doesn't make me laugh. It actually makes me a little bit sad when we think back to the days of, like, Biggest Loser, you know? Like people's problem was up here in their head. It wasn't in their body. And I think when we can tackle what's actually creating the the holding of that weight yes, and getting to the core root of the issue instead of, oh, you need to exercise more and eat less, get over yourself, I think that narrative has to stop. Yes. You know, like the reason people eat or drink is psychologically driven. Yeah. And the trick, the trickiest part when it's food, it's food and drinks, um, is that you can't abstain from it. Mm. You can't abstain from food. And it's also your, you have a psychological and an emotional and a physiological response. Mm. So sugar, you have a, you have a neurochemical result from response to sugar. And hormonal. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And mm. hormonal. You have a stress response, and you, so like, which one of those do you need to change? Like, which you got to figure out what's driving that. Mm. Like when I was competing, if yeah. I was if I was training really hard and and had fell into a calorie deficit, so I I would get to the end of the week and I could eat a whole, like I would just absolutely smash sugar on the weekend and go, why am I so and Sometimes I go, ah, oh, did some really hard training this week and I probably haven't actually eaten enough, so, right? Or am I walking in? Or there's times when I can walk. I remember finding a new psychologist in the city once and I hate going in the city, I hate driving in the city. <laughs> I go to this new psychologist. And I remember this. I laughed at this at the time because I was like, I, <laughs> I parked my car and I went into one of the bloody servos and I bought a stack of Reese's peanut butter cups and ate them right before. like... I, I soothed my I self soothed with sugar. I went out of my way to go and get it because I was amped up and I was like, I hate driving in the city and I hate this. And it was like, no, you're going to see a new psychologist and you're then something inside of you was like, oh god, quick self soothe. This is really uncomfortable. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and so I laugh at this. So it's like figuring out actually why. Mm. What, like, is it physiological or is it psychological or is it emotional? Or is it habit or is it bloody outside influence? And that's it, you know, like actually admitting to yourself and understanding and being conscious mm. of why you're putting that thing in your mouth. You know, like mm. nobody else does it for you but you. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> Oops, I hello, dickhead, it was you. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and one of the things that I love about the metabolic balance group that I've been a part of for the last two years is that you know, I've been very responsible in being forward with my story and, and saying, okay, well, this is when I'm doing well, this is not when I'm doing well, and sharing my recipes, sharing my food, sharing what's happening in my life that's made me derail. Um, and it is a psychological thing. It's not, it's not a physiological thing most of the time. Um, if you can control the mind, you can control the body. 
and the two go together in concert. And, you know, I spoke to a, a happiness expert on this show, Tiff, and I think you'll love her. She's down in Florida. She's a very good friend of mine. And um, she's written a book that talks about all the spheres of happiness and spirituality, physical and, and emotional and food are all part of that circle of happiness. And I think if we can understand as a whole human, we're not just, you know, food, drink, you know, work, sleep, all these kind of things. We are part of a bigger picture. And if we can understand how all those slices of the pie come together and work together, why do we have to reach like 40, 50 before we realise, oh, shit, it's too late? (laughs) You know? So true. It's so true. And no doubt you would you would see that in the people that you train. And let's not get punched in the face to see it. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to get punched in the face. You don't. It's <laughs> a really fun way to find out though. It is. It's a very big wake up call, can I just say. <laughs> oh, Tiff, we could go on all night, seriously. <laughs> and, and I think we would if people would put up with us. But uh, I have to say, uh, look, I've got the last biggest question. Well, actually, I've got two last big questions for you. One of them is if people want to find out more about you, where can they go? www.rollwiththepunches.com.au And they can check out. I'm in all the other places. I'm on Instagram, yeah. I'm on Facebook. I'm, I'm all over the place. So they can check out the podcast, they can subscribe and they can uh, leave you a review as well. Absolutely. We love a five-star review. And you're putting a lot of work into that. So please, people, tune in and check her out. Uh, And lastly, Tiff, what's the change you'd like to see in the world and how can we bring it to life? Uh, I want to see people get to know themselves deeply for who they are underneath the rubbish, underneath the stories, underneath the conditioning and know what really matters to them. Oh, love it, love it. And look, you know, I think anybody who's listening to this uh, will realise that you and I could go on forever uh, and we're going to disconnect them from this moment right now. (laughs) But I want to thank you for being a part of the ethical evolution. Thanks, Bindi. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Ethical Evolution Podcast. If you're ready to be the change and would love to work with me on finding your voice through spiritual coaching or creating your own podcast with impact, visit ethicalchangeagency.com. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. 
Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Deep leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric Acid. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.